Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. Let's get our mind right and do our relaxation. Okay, get comfy, sit in a big fluffy chair, get that orange in it, and drop your shoulders. Relax, breathe into your belly, take the tongue off the roof of your mouth, relax the inside of your ears. You don't realize how much tension you hold there, right? And we're going to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. One more time. In and out. Excellent. Now we are ready to receive the word, wake the mighty women. So today, we're going to start out with a follow-up from a question we covered here in the podcast a little bit ago. Now this question came from Steph and she was having trouble with her boyfriend of six months who still hadn't said, I love you. And at the time she's like, I know, I feel like he does, like our relationship is good. He demonstrates it, but he's not saying it and I don't want to be the one to say it first girls you shouldn't don't ever do it so she writes me again she's like I asked you about my boyfriend not saying I love you after six months and you told me to wait another two it's now seven months still nothing if I get to that eight month mark and he still hasn't said it I agree I should walk away but my question is how do you recommend that I say that to him and how should I break it off Ugh, I'm really surprised like I kind of thought that like two days later he'd be like I love you and You know, it was like holidays had just passed. I don't know. I'm really surprised. So I think you should sit down and have a conversation with him. Just be like, hey, let's do a state of the union address on our relationship. How are you feeling? Are you happy? Where do you see us in six months? Get a temperature check. And look, if a guy is not serious about you and has one foot outside the door, any question of this nature is going to freak him out. And you need to know that. If a guy, though, is truly in love with you, This is going to be a conversation that he welcomes. He will have already thought of these things. He's going to want to talk about traveling with you or having the families meet for a holiday, stuff like that. And you're going to have to read between the lines a little bit to get a sense, not so much of what he says, but his body language and what that is telling you. Because he might not be super firmly in one camp. He's not going to be like, well, I hate you and I'm going to dump you in about four weeks. Like he might not come out and say that. So you're going to have to read between the lines. Like if he's shrugging and giving you one word answers, that's not good. Then you also have to look at whether or not, and this is important, he asks you these same questions in return. Don't volunteer the information on your own. Let him ask, and how do you feel? Where are you at? Are you happy? Because again, if he doesn't say this, that means he doesn't care. And that's a crucial data point. But let's say he does ask, okay? I would say something that's firm but vague, like, well, honestly, I think there are certain elements of communication that are missing in this relationship. And it's hard for me to get a sense of where you're at, and that in turn makes me feel skittish and unsettled. He'll probably say, like, I don't know what you mean. 
And then you can say something like, I just don't understand how you feel about me because you don't tell me in words. You show me in gestures, but you can't have one without the other. A healthy relationship needs both. Do not say, you haven't said I love you. Because then he's just going to like blurb it out right then and it will make you more angry than satisfied, like I promise you. So let him come to this conclusion on his own. And if he doesn't, either he's dumb with a low emotional intelligence and he doesn't understand that, hello, women need to be told that they're loved, or he doesn't feel it and he doesn't care. And if that's the case, you got to let that play out and give him enough rope to hang himself. This question comes from Irina. She said, my husband didn't tell me about this ex that he dated until I asked him like who this person was because she was acting so weird around me and I just kind of figured they had history. They dated for four years. That's kind of a big relationship to omit. He wished her a happy birthday recently in a very sweet way and I made a fuss and like he denied it and downplayed it or whatever. But later she had an affair with my husband's friend which caused a divorce. She anonymously emailed his wife. It was just crazy. Now when we see her, my husband never says hi to her. And I asked why, like why is he all of a sudden like not speaking to her? And he said, oh, it's not to upset me. Like he doesn't want to upset me. Do you think I should be worried? Or is this like a mistrust from initial lack of transparency? How do I get over this? Our relationship otherwise is completely great. Hmm. So this woman sounds like a mess and a nightmare. Like, she dated your husband for four years and then she hooked up with his married friend. Like, that's kind of wild. Like, would you hook up with your, like, ex's married friend? What a mess. So I get why you're frustrated with your husband because he's the one who's been keeping secrets, right? And on one hand, I don't believe that it's healthy to tell our partners everything about our history or that they have the right to know. And I say this all the time. My past is my past. It belongs to me. It doesn't belong to anyone else. But... When the past interferes with the present, then yeah, you do have the right to ask some questions and to get some transparent answers. But on the other hand, I mean, it does sound like he's taking steps to cut this woman out of his life, you know? That's good. He's not talking to her. But I agree that his explanation, I'm not speaking to her because I don't want to upset you, like isn't exactly what you want to hear. You want to hear, I have no need to say hello to her because she doesn't matter to me. Like that's what you want to hear. So maybe sit him down and communicate that. Express to him that you want to make sure he's icing her out organically because he is choosing your marriage and to move forward and away from the drama. Not just because my wife said I can't talk to you. That's what kids say. My mom won't let me. And you're not his mom. And you don't want to get into a dynamic where you're parenting him and wagging your finger at him. He is a grown man and he should be making these choices on his own, of his own volition, because he is prioritizing you. So see if that's where he's coming from. Maybe he's just not really expressing himself well and doesn't know how to navigate this. Let him talk more than you do, right? This is kind of going to be the theme of this podcast. Let a guy talk more than you talk and read between the lines so that you can get a sense of his motivations and where his head is at and where his heart is at. Then you can figure out your next move. But for now, gather some more data about the situation and his point of view. Hey guys, it's Cheyenne Davis. You may know me from MTV's Teen Mom OG or Think Loud Crew podcast. I'm here with my dad, Papa Floyd, to tell you about our new podcast, Unfiltered Kitchen. The kitchen is the hub of the household for many of us. The one-stop shop for conversations both big and small. Cheyenne and I have been having open conversations about all aspects of life in our kitchen since well before she was able to see over the counter. 
And now we're inviting you into our own kitchen as a part of the family. Unfiltered Kitchen is a two-way street. I share my advice on cocktails, cooking, parenting, and the lessons I've learned. And I inform my dad what it's like to raise kids today, how generational barriers affect us, and the joys of being a daughter. Well, your daughter. Get ready for a whole lot of unfiltered advice. You can take it or leave it, but you're never going to leave this table feeling hungry for more. Listen to Unfiltered Kitchen wherever you get your podcasts. Our next question is a bit of a sticky wicket, but it's a question that I've gotten from a lot of you guys coming from different points of views, which is dating with a disability. Now, I've gotten questions from you lovelies who are having like high functioning autism, or maybe you're in a wheelchair, or there was an accident, or even just stuff like, hey, I've gained 70 pounds, and I mean, it's not a disability, but you just feel not at home inside your own body, or there's physical limitations you feel like are really affecting your love life. And Rowan sent me this question. She has cerebral palsy. So she's got some issues like with her physical mobility and stuff like that, and she dated a guy who told her, I like makes me sick to even have to say this that like she's useless to men because her body isn't perfect and she's not able bodies and she's never going to find love so she says i have two questions how do i create an online profile that's interesting to men and gets their attention so that they could contact me instead of me like contacting them and second like how do i make men see past my disability how do i make them see me as a woman they would want to have sex with or possibly a relationship with because I'm basically a virgin and I'm kind of tired of it. I'm in my 20s. But like, is that even possible that a man would want to have sex with me? Please, please be honest. I really want to find someone to be intimate with, not only physically, but also emotionally. But if it's not possible for me to find someone to be intimate with, I will hire an escort to get my sexual needs met. So, so thanks and help. Okay. First and foremost, the guy who told you that you are like less of a woman because of your body, he can go die in a fire. Actually, no. He can just be in a fire and then he can live in his body post-fire. There's a special place in hell for people like him, like truly. And it's like a section for idiots because none of that is true. Only able-bodied people deserve love. Like that's literally what he told you. Is he fucking serious? It just makes my blood boil. It's so dumb. And he was speaking through the filter of his own inadequacy. And that's important to remember when people like drag you for something that's like physical or emotional or mental it's like they're speaking through their filter of inadequacy because he is shallow he couldn't connect anything about a woman besides her body he sees us as possessions characters in his own play and just holes like a series of orifices fuck you dude literally fuck you actually no don't fuck him send us his name send us his address nobody women we got to come together no one have sex with this man for the rest of his life but rowan I want you to start remaking your life. And I've talked about, I think this book, maybe I've talked about it before, a book called The Four Agreements. It's basically how to be bulletproof against insults and negative feedback. And it explains how people who act like that, like that guy, how they're really acting out an emotional wound of their own. And it doesn't have anything to do with us. And it allows us to detach. And like, given what I do for a living, the hate that people throw at me online, I, I get how you feel, you know? Everyone's like, just brush it off. That's not true. But when it's coming at you and it hits on something that you're sensitive about or maybe you didn't know you should be sensitive about and they're like, oh, you, you should because you suck in this category. 
Like, how can you just brush that off? So this book has helped me a lot, and I think it's going to help you, and I think it's going to help all of us because we all need to be more bulletproof, right? That's part of being a warm-blooded animal. And being resilient in terms of people's opinions is going to enable you to date from a place of strength and not apology. But from a practical point of view, like, yeah, you need to meet dudes. So have you looked into dating apps or websites that are specifically for people with disabilities? I mean, there have to be some. There's one for people who have herpes. There's one for farmers. There's one like black Christians. Like, come on, someone out there has an app or a meetup or something for people who are dealing with high-functioning autism or non-high-functioning autism or cerebral palsy or a bunch of other different stuff. So I would start there, you know, because someone else who's dealing with a physical limitation is not only going to understand where you're coming from, they're also going to be more likely to see past your physical shell and into your true soul and connect with you that way. And like sex is great, you know, but what we're all craving is an emotional connection. And I look, I definitely think you should hire an escort like a thousand thousand percent. Like get those needs met, girl. That's also going to help you date from a place of strength and not desperation. Right. So I would look online for Instagram accounts and YouTube channels for people with disabilities who are in healthy, stable relationships, because right now I know you think your biggest obstacle is your body, but it's actually your attitude. It is. You just seem to be one giant apology and you have nothing to apologize for. You're not deficient. And once you see that love and romance is completely possible for someone in your position, that's going to make you more confident and therefore magnetic. But yeah, you kind of need some examples of that. And those people are out there. Like we are in the golden age of connection. We're also in the golden age of TV shows about storage units, but that's a whole separate conversation. We are so able to connect with people now and we got to use it. Like for all the crap that online brings us, let's get something out of it. Like let's get the silver lining where you can connect with people all over the globe who are going through what you're going through. Like that's amazing. I would also go to some meetups if you can for people with other disabilities or cerebral palsy. It's important to find your tribe so that you feel confident and seen and understood. And they don't have to be your only friends. But I think right now you feel like an outsider and it will be really helpful to you to feel less alone and not like some sort of weird, unlovable outcast because you're not. You're fantastic and you are whole and you are worthy just as you are. And when you start to truly feel that inside, your life and your love will radically shift. Before we get to this next question, just want to remind you guys, there's going to be a special Shalentine's Day episode of Girl on Top out Friday on Valentine's Day, where I'm going to be sharing the worst Valentine's Day stories, and I want to hear them from you. So go to my Instagram and leave them as a comment on uh, one of my Instagram photos. That would be fantastic. Or as a comment on my most recent YouTube video. Please no DMs. I just get so many. I can't open them, and I'm like drowning. But yeah. Friday, we're going to swap some terrible Shalentine's Day stories because, oh yeah, I've got them. Oh, oh, I've got them. But up now, we've got Miss Haley. And she said, I've been having issues with my boyfriend intimately and our emotional connection is really weak. I've just become this nasty nag and I'm trying to figure out what our issue is and that's driving the nagging. As you can probably tell, our communication is also an issue. We spend more time with other people than as a couple working on our relationship, I think because we're almost afraid to like be alone with each other at this point. It's so tense. 
He also said he doesn't think I'm happy or will be happy if he changes and that he doesn't think I'm in love with him anymore, which that's completely false. I'm completely in love with him. We're still able to laugh with each other and have fun, but I need advice on how to communicate and connect emotionally and sexually. Oof. So I understand the position you're in. I've been with people in the past and found myself turning turning into that like naggy puppy and it's really unsexy and it's really frustrating and it's it's gross. Like I hated who I had become, you know? No one wants to feel like that. And if he isn't doing anything to make the relationship better, if you're the only one who's trying, then that in and of itself is an answer. No action is action. I think it's also important to look at whether or not this is a downhill slide Or if this is just the norm and it's finally gotten under your skin. Have you always had a weak emotional connection? Have you always had kind of a lackluster sexual connection? If so, then that's not going to change now. I, I hate to say it, but it's not. We can only get things back on track if there was a track it was on in the first place. And it could be that you're just sort of realizing that things are wrong in this relationship. And while of course things are going to be wonderful, bad seems like it's starting to overshadow. And a relationship doesn't have to be 100% awful in order for you to decide it isn't working. My threshold is like very low. I expect to be happy 80% of the time at the absolute minimum. And if I'm not happy and my partner doesn't seem to care or want to fix things and just meets it with a kind of shrug, then for me, the writing's on the wall. I want to not judge a relationship so much on how happy it makes me, but I have to judge it on what he does when the going gets tough. You know, a lot of things make me happy. Dogs make me happy. Coinstar machines make me happy. Grilled cheese sandwiches make me happy. I don't want to date them. I can't be with someone who isn't interested in making it through a difficult time. But talk to the people around you and see if it resonates with them what your boyfriend said, that you won't be happy no matter what. Because I think that, you know, is a data point you might want to consider. Is that something you've heard in the past? Do you tend to nitpick relationships and focus on the bad and amplify it until it drowns out anything good? Your friends and family might have a few thoughts on it because they're there like in the front row watching all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they can help you recognize patterns. Because if this has more to do with you than him or the relationship, you can sort that out and save your relationship in the process. This question comes from Melanie. She said, a few months ago, I met a guy who was 26, paid for dates, planned dates, picked me up, affectionate, texted a lot, cooked for me, just all around amazing. But then recently he said he likes me but doesn't want anything long-term yet and maybe in the future because his seven-year relationship ended in the summer. I made it clear that, okay, we can be friends but we're not like doing friends with benefits or anything like that. I'm not the type. And he said he respects but he still wants to meet for dinner and days out. What do you think about this? How can I get him to commit to me? Is he being truthful? Should I move on? What is happening? All right. I feel like in every podcast I give this example and this analogy But that's because it keeps being true and it keeps being relevant. So I'll stop when we no longer have issues that it applies to. Picture this. Sophia Petrillo, picture it. A job says they want you to come in five days a week. Work nine to five. Ooh, they're not going to pay you though. And they're not even going to say that you were an official employee. No. Would you accept that? Of course not. You would laugh in their face. And even if they said, okay, then just come in a few days a week and work for free. Uh, still no, my dude, still no. So how is this situation any different? Do not be friends with this man. You are, like, if you're only hanging out with him, 
whenever he's sad or bored or lonely, you're giving him emotional support. Like sex is honestly the least relevant piece of the puzzle. Guys can get sex anywhere, you know? They can't get your emotional stability any at a bar drunk, you know? So if you do that, the message you're sending is that you don't have any standards or boundaries. You have a beggar's mentality. Oh gosh, I'll take what I can get. Oh, you want to feed me scraps? Okay, I'm a beggar. You're going to be there whenever he wants, on his terms only, never on yours, with no end in sight. That's what you need to realize. You see this as a finite situation? It ain't. I talk to girls who have been in this bullshit loop for years. Maybe he'll commit to me. Girl, maybe he won't. Maybe he'll colonize life on Venus. I don't know. Maybe that's possible too. So this scenario is unacceptable. Someone needs to eat. <laughs> Someone needs to either be all in your life or all out. And here's the thing though. Look, this is the real talk. The real terrible truth is that if he wanted to be with you, if he wanted to be all in, it wouldn't matter what happened with his ex and when they broke up. It wouldn't. When I got divorced, I was dating a guy who on paper was completely wonderful. Like he was perfect. I just didn't feel like that spark, you know? And I told myself and him that, oh, it's it's just too soon for me to date. Like, that's what this is. That's why I don't feel it. Three weeks later, I met my ex-boyfriend and we fell in love and we were together for almost a year. Three weeks, right? The point is that when you find someone you click with, history goes out the window. And if that's not what he's doing, that's because that's not what he's feeling. And you de you deserve to be with someone who is all in. And I know we probably seem like, Okay, well, he seemed like that at first, like WTF. And to me, that's a pretty good indication of his poor character. Like men are fragile and they are reckless, right? They're like a child behind the wheel of a car. And I think what he was doing is what I call the girlfriend equivalency exam. He gets out of a serious relationship and he, he doesn't want to like start all over like the courting process and really getting to know someone. He wants to jump straight to that girlfriend phase. And he does and... To the surprise of no one, it's scary and it's overwhelming and it's like not a healthy way to do it, you know? And then he freaks out and dips out, but kind of wants to keep you on the hook because he likes you. It's like you are fragile and you are reckless. So don't reward that with friendship. We have to stop devaluing our friendship. Well, we can be friends. Who the fuck put your friendship on the clearance rack like that? My friendship? is ride or die. My friends come before anyone. They come before my boyfriend. They come before work. Like they come before anyone except for my mama. So no, I'm not going to be your friend. Friend translates to time, energy, empathy, money. Like you think you just get that as a consolation prize for breaking my heart and messing with my time? Like who in the hell do you think you are? So as painful as it is, it's time to cut your losses and move on. This is not the only guy who's going to be like that, I promise, but you have to leave room in your life and clear out the bad before you can let someone in who is going to give you what you want. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.